This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Miranda. She's actually rushing this recording so she doesn't miss too much college football. And that's Melanie. She once swam in a pond full of algae and duck shit. So, Miranda, are you all ready for your upcoming work trip? Big work trip coming up. Big work trip out of state for many days. And no, I'm not ready. I have not even packed yet. <laughs> I'm going to pack it. Stop it. <laughs> you leave tomorrow. I'm a procrastinator, and there's football tonight. So I'm not going to be packing oh. tonight. I will pack in the you morning. You know that stresses me out. Do you have your suitcase out? My suitcase is out. It's on the floor and I opened it, but it's empty. Do you have a few things set aside? Uh, no. No, not a thing. not a thing. But what I have to tell you is, even though nothing's physically in the suitcase yet, I've made all of the necessary arrangements. And this is what I have to tell you about because it's hilarious. So, you know, and I'm flying. I'm flying out of state and I'm going to be gone for several days. So it's one of those situations. Your favorite, th- your favorite thing. Favorite you love thing. all of those things. <laughs> Number one, I'm a homebody. Number two, I do not like flying. So, yeah, not super fun. But anyway, so I made my little list of all of the things that I need while I'll be gone that I can also take on said plane because it's not like I can throw my can of hairspray in there in my carry-on, right? So I'm like, I need to get like the little travel size thingies. So I've got like nine things on my list. And typically I would run down to the corner drugstore and grab these. But you know, the corner drugstore can be like super expensive when you're getting more than just a couple things. Yes. Well, your your corner drugstore is what what my child refers to as waggaline because that's what it looks like to him yeah. and you can spend a fortune and they always give you the coupons and the coupons expire like 30 minutes after they give them to you and i just got a coupon at a waggaline's yesterday well it's probably already expired just so you know actually i just read it it's if i go back in like less than a week and I spend more than however much. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you people, but like I just bought all this right. stuff. Like I'm not my coming goal back is to here. not be back Right, here. that's my goal is not to come back. And then here's what they're going to do. They're not going to give you X amount of dollars off of that 25. They're going to put it on your account so that next time you come, you can opt to use it then. Because I've made that mistake. Oh. I fell into that trap many a time. And I'm over Oh, it. so it's not even it's not even real money. Correct. No, no, no. It's not like Target. It's like when you it's like when you go to Target and they say if you buy three of these, you get a five dollar gift card, but you can't use the gift card on the that same purchase. purchase. Yeah, but you can always sweet talk the cashier and she'll like split your order up Separate so you can do it. Stuff. Yeah. Target is great like that. Waggalines is not. Those people are no. sticklers. Okay. So I'm like, I'm not going to go to Waggalines and spend $100. And here's here was my first mistake. I thought to myself, I'm going to just tough it up and I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm just going to go to Walmart. I do everything that I can not to go to Sam Walton's store. Same. But... I actually was just there yesterday. So you know. Because you know when you end up with like a weird assortment (laughs) of things that you need 
And that's the only place that you know you can get all of them? Yep. Well, and that was me too, because like I needed beer for football weekend. I needed a new lighter for my candles because you know I just got all my fall candles out. And I also needed like my travel size can of hairspray. So it's like a random assortment of things. It's going to be cheaper than Waggly. Correct. I haven't mentioned the most important item that I need, and that is my certain brand, my certain shade of sunless tanner that I have found. I've discovered it and I love it. It's the best sunless tanner I've ever used. And since I'm going on this work trip and I'll be wearing dresses and skirts and all these things around all of these people, I'm like, I need to touch up my shins and try to hide some of these varicose veins I got going on, right? Right. So I need the sunless tanner. So here's the thing. Fisher has this weird obsession with Walmart, and I'm sure it's because all the kids talk about it. And, you know, I got this right. toy at Walmart. I got that toy at Walmart. Da, 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 da. So he he always wants to go. He begs me to take him. It's on the way to the library. Oof. And I'm like, yeah. no, we're not okay. going. We're not going. We're not going. So I finally wrap my head around. What if we all go like, you know, Brad's working from home. I'm working from home. Let's, you know, at the end of the work day, let's pick Fisher up and let's surprise him with a trip to his favorite place, Sam Walton's store. And yeah. we're like, okay, we can do this. And then bonus, there's a little Caesars in the plaza, which Fisher also oh. always asks to go to. So you can get yourself some not so great some pizza hot and ready $5. And the thing is, like, I. I'm not a fan of Little Caesars whatsoever. We have our like local bougie pizza place that we like to go to and get what we like. Yeah, I like I like your local bougie pizza it's place. It's pretty great. But Fisher again, you know, I'm sure all the kids talk about Little Caesars, Little Caesars, Little Caesars. He calls it Little Scissors. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. Well, anyway, so he's like, well, can we go to Little Scissors, please? And I'm like, you know what? By the time we get out of this here Walmart and we get this beer, I'm not going to be ready to go home and cook on a Friday night. So sure, let's go. Let's swing by. We'll pick it up, right? So we go into the Walmart together, the whole group of us, me, Bradley Fisher, here we go. And I've strategically mapped out the route we need to take. I'm impressed. The toy section being the last area that we would go to. And we said, if you are good and on your best behavior, because he did things he needed to do this week, we will go to the toy section and you can pick something out that's not too expensive. So we go in and of course, what do they have? up front in front of everything all the candy all the end caps Halloween all the stuff everything and he's like obsessed you know he just wants to stare at it and we're like come on let's go like we got to go to the cosmetics area we got to go to the self-care area mama's got to get her sunless tanner so I'm going through I'm looking and Fisher starts the wine I just want to go look at it. Okay, well, no. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. you are going to have to wait. And if you are good, then we can go check it out. But I've got to get all these things first before we go. I just want to look at it. I don't even want anything. I just want to look. I just want to go look right now. And uh, yeah, and it gets louder and louder, and we get louder and louder. And and I'm like, look. If you do not keep your hand on this cart, you are going to the car. This is not how we behave in a public setting. And so he puts his hand on the buggy, like I told him, and then we're snaking through trying to find the travel size hairspray and all of the things I need. Can't find the sunless tanner. And... He, again, once we kind of emerge from this aisle, he sees the end cap that he wanted to go check out because it's like a, it's some kind of special edition Pokemon candy something or other, right? And he's obsessed with one right now. So he takes off. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, no. We've already set the boundaries. So Brad, God bless him. He's just like, give me the keys. 
So he scoops up the car keys, scoops up Fisher, and I hear them the whole way. Oh, I yeah. hear him. That's oh, bad. Give me one more chance. I promise I'll be good. I just want one more chance. Da, da, da. And, I, and then finally, I, I hear it kind of fade away, you know, and I'm like, okay, they're gone. Let me focus and go through my list. Very comical me going through the Walmart because I mapped out my little route. So I go to the hardware section to find the lighter that I mentioned that I needed. It's not back there. So I'm like, okay, well, let me look with the candles. That's what I need it for. So here we go. So I snake over to Home Goods, not with the candles. And there's an associate. I'm like, sir, are there any lighters? And he's like, yeah, they're right there. And he points to like a string of like Bic lighters for cigarettes. I'm like, like cigarettes. I'm like, that's not, I need like a long, like a long one, like a grill lighter. And he's like, oh, well, those are with the grills. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So now I'm going through home and garden, you know, out into the outside realm. Yeah. And of course we parked on the other side. So it was a whole fiasco. I finally found the lighters. I did not find the sunless tanner. We get into the car at this point we're not getting pizza and fisher has the audacity to ask me what did you get for me oh <laughs> nothing you know what though i commend you because i can't tell you how many parents i have actually just when i was at walmart yesterday this little girl had an absolute meltdown because she wanted two of something, mm -hmm. but she only had so much money to spend. Like I could hear from the yelling discussion what was happening. Mm -hmm. We had to go to three other sections before we left. I saw them. She had two of them when oh, they were leaving. Oh, there it was. That parent cave. Ugh. And that little girl is going to know that if she throws a fit, she's going to get whatever she's gonna she wants. She's going to get what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good lesson there. So there's more to the story because today was part two. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. There's more. Well, because I still didn't have my sunless tanner. So, Brad. So you had to go to Wagaline. Well, I sent Bradley because he was going out to the grocery store anyway. And I know this sunless tanner is a very specific brand, a very specific shade. So I find it online and I text him the picture this is what it needs to look like this is what i need mm -hmm. so he gets home you know put the groceries away and since i'm going to be gone next week i'm like let me make you some chicken salad so you won't starve so i'm like in the kitchen making chicken salad doing all the things putting the groceries away and once i get all of that done i'm like ah, i'm gonna go and put on my sunless tanner right? Oh, no. So I scoop it up I'm... and off I go to the bathroom. And I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid right now. <laughs> you should be because I go, I get my little mitt, you know, my little application mitt and I look at the, the bottle and it's sunless oh. tanner eraser. <laughs> no! <laughs> well, thank goodness you looked eraser. at it. <laughs> And I'm like, Bradley, this is not what I need. This does oh. the opposite of what I need it to do. So then I'm like, he's like, well, do you have the receipt? And I'm like, it's probably in the trash can buried under the celery choppings and the onion choppings and the chicken that I threw away from making chicken salad. So we rummaged through the garbage can because the stuff's like $30. You know, this is a salon quality sunless tanner. Wow. Oh, so, so again, God bless my husband. He, we dug the receipt out of the trash and he, he went back and exchanged it yes yes so then he got back i did apply it so i am all set for my trip tomorrow minus minus getting actually packed <laughs> wow wow <laughs> i mean for all you listeners out there i literally use jergens jergens tanner oh, it's not great it's too and it's not thirty dollars it's, it's not thirty dollars no you got to get the application mitt that's what I here's the thing i'm so freckly who can tell if uh, they're streaked like what what do you think that doesn't matter <laughs> well i'm glad you got that all handled but that sounds like you know a very like we've all been there <laughs> it was some escapades for sure 
Okay, well, I talked about a skincare product that I desperately needed, and I think your medical mystery has something to do with skincare also, maybe? It does. Um, however, I, I'm intrigued to hear you justify how a sunless tanner is a skincare product. It has moisturizer in it. It has moisturizer and vitamin E. Okay. It's good for my okay. skin. Yes. <laughs> I am going to talk about eczema today. It's a very prevalent skin condition and I'm I feel pretty sure saying all of us know someone who has eczema. Mm-hmm. Do you feel do you feel like that's accurate? Oh, I know tons of people with eczema. Okay. My offspring had a little bout of it for a minute there. Okay. Well, eczema, for those of you who may not know, is a skin condition that causes dry, itchy patches on the skin. It is common. It is not contagious. And the symptoms of it are known to flare and then calm down and then flare and then calm down. We'll talk a little bit more about it in detail. There are a lot of treatments that are available to manage eczema, but there is no cure unfortunately. Not at the present time. So eczema, tell me, Miranda, what do you think of when you think of eczema? Itchy, uncomfortable, scratching, and like bleeding. There's there's bleeding involved. So by definition, eczema is a condition that causes your skin to become very dry, very itchy, and sometimes bumpy, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. The condition actually causes your skin's barrier function to weaken, which is where we get really concerned about it, because if your skin is no longer serving its barrier function, that can cause issues with moisture and also with things that from outside your body getting inside Hmm, your body. Interesting. So eczema is a type of dermatitis. We have talked about several types of dermatitis in past episodes. We sure have. Dermatitis could mean many, many different things. So here's a short list of the types of dermatitis that are considered eczema. Atopic dermatitis, contact dermatitis, dyshydrotic eczema, neurodermatitis, nemimular eczema, that's an interesting one, and seborrheic dermatitis. So it seems like it's like dermatitis eczema, dermatitis eczema. They're kind of one in the same in a way. So who does this affect? Eczema can affect anyone at any age. The symptoms typically appear during childhood and often last into adulthood. People who have a family history of eczema or of dermatitis, allergies, hay fever, or asthma are more likely to have eczema. More than 31 million Americans actually have eczema. That's a lot. It's like a chunk. That's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. That's a solid chunk of people. Infants in particular. And was Fisher an infant? Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah, I want to say he had it until about age two, and then it kind of went away. Okay. Infants are very prone to eczema with up to 20% of them having it. The good news on that is nearly half of the infants that are diagnosed with eczema, you know, as infants, outgrow the condition or have extremely significant improvements as they get older. That's not uncommon to have it flare when they're very young and then have it get better as they get older. Do you know why? Some, some of I couldn't really find a why. You know I'm big on why, yeah. and I, I couldn't exactly find a why. What causes it to start? The first signs are itchiness, and I've known a few people in my life that had severe Mm, eczema, like elbows that the skin was just flaking off. Like it's wild what it can look like on Mm -hmm. some people. And when I say itchy, I don't mean like, oh, I've got a, I've got an itch and you scratch it and it's gone. Mm -hmm. I mean like an unending itch that potentially could make you crazy Mm -hmm. because it, it won't stop. So the first signs are the itchiness, dry skin, and oftentimes a rash. These signs indicate that you came into contact with a trigger. 
So hmm. of course we're all like, well, what what are the triggers? Yeah. Because it is it is a response that needs to be triggered. Well, then you get into one of these situations like allergy testing, right. where it's like it's really hard to figure out specifically what the trigger is. Right. And for some people, it can be like food allergies too. That's a big one. Dry weather or low humidity that often triggers Mm. uh, eczema flare. Fabrics or clothing. So like if you're wearing something that's different than you have before, Mm. or if it's something that's irritating, like I think of all those things that my mom tried to have me wear when I was little that were irritating, Mm. like those like poofy little dresses with like the poofy little dresses with like the polyester kind of stuff. A certain makeup or skin product hopefully not your sunless tanner <laughs> so far so good smoke and pollutants interesting soaps or different detergents yeah which i know that's that a like, big one. laundry detergents can be a big one yeah. in all honesty stress and emotional well-being so mm-hmm. like if you are abnormally stressed out that can actually trigger a mm-hmm. flare and touching something you're allergic to so we talked about that in the poison i think it was usural oh yeah the usural if you come into into contact with the usural there are some people who feel like it's tied to a gluten sensitivity i've heard that yeah and dairy I i looked really hard to try to find some documentation that really proved that it had to do with gluten. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find any any article that I really liked that said that the common food allergies that are triggers are, like you said, dairy, peanuts, eggs. This is one of the things that I always think is super challenging when we're parents. You're trying to figure out what caused a flare. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that we do involve more than one variable. You know what right. I mean? Like we don't live our lives like a science Where we experiment. can single things out in like a vacuum. <laughs> right. Yeah. For sure. So that can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. So what does the rash look like? In some folks, it is super flaky. But if you have dark skin, an eczema rash can actually look purple Mm-hmm. brown or gray. Mm-hmm. So that has a very different appearance. Whereas if you have a light skin tone, your eczema usually looks pink, red, or even purple. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of, it varies. Well, as with everything, it varies sure. from person to person. The main places that people will end up with an eczema are hands, neck, elbows, ankles, knees, mm-hmm. feet, it's a lot of places with joints, right. like wherever there's like kind of a bendy spot. Yeah, and like moisture secreting areas like the inside of your elbows and the undersides right. of your knees, like the back the yeah, back of the knee. It can be. And then for some folks, they get it actually on their face, especially on their cheeks. And then sometimes in and around the ears, hmm. which I've, I've met a couple people who struggled with that. And that's really hard because there's a lot of little like folds in there. Oh, and, sure. Yeah. yeah. It can occur like just about anywhere, but those are the most common places. Eczema doesn't typically cause pain, but as you mentioned, it's very itchy. And if you scratch it, then it will crack and it can lead to some bleeding and sores and and that kind of thing. So that part can be tough. We don't know exactly what the cause is. The cause isn't the same for everyone. It really varies. But some of the main causes or things that they've tied it to, your immune system, it's it's fun. This list is all things that you really don't have control <laughs> right, over. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so if you have a if you have eczema, your immune system is overreacting to like a small irritation mm-hmm. or trigger. So that's really what's happening is your immune system is reacting and then it's causing your skin to treat that yeah. patch like it's, a, like it's a um 
invader yeah basically and that makes me think like going back to the infants i bet that is why it tapers off because like once you've been in the world for a little while and you've had exposure to things maybe your immune system kind of levels off a bit where it doesn't overreact yeah, to some it, of these things it definitely could be that kind of like early life like your body hasn't really calibrated right yet, so everything kind of sets it you know a little crazy right hmm. The next thing that's listed on possible causes, your genes. Also something you have no control over. You know, my sister's genes gave her a nickel rash on her belly because of the button on them. So oh, yeah, my that, goodness. Could be, that could be part of it, too. <laughs> I was like, wow, I've never heard of that. I oh. got you. I got you there. <laughs> you did. But yeah, it was triggered. Yeah. She, she had eczema from the the metal button on her the jeans, nickel. on her actual blue jeans. Yes. <laughs> so okay. She on her wear them. Well, and technically, I guess because I my wedding set, my wedding ring and my engagement ring are white gold which has nickel in it oh. and i guess technically that ring that i get usually in the summer around my finger it is technically an eczema oh because interesting i'm allergic to the nickel hmm. apparently there you go but i mean that i consider that very minor in the scheme of things but you are much more likely to have eczema if there is a history of it in your family there's also a higher risk if you have a family history of asthma, hay fever, or allergies. And the common allergies that are listed as like precipitating factors here are pollen, pet hair, and certain foods. The next one on this list, your environment. So we all know, I mean, there's a lot of things that in your environment, like if you live in a very polluted area, that can be a trigger. If you're around smoke or if there's a fire in your area and there's there's smoke, that can cause it. Harsh soaps, fabric. So this, when they say environment, they're actually including like what you're wearing, like the environment you're putting your skin in. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> It lists wool and like I am here for that because I yeah, can't, you, you know, wool. I can't you stand wool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It makes me so itchy. And then I mentioned earlier the mental health or emotional triggers. If you're really struggling with stress, mm -hmm. anxiety, or depression, that can actually lead to the triggering more. Now, here's an interesting thing that I, I would have actually guessed that it was considered this, but eczema is not considered an autoimmune disease. So huh. the, the symptoms of it are not significant enough that it's, it's not actually considered autoimmune, but hmm. they do know for sure that it is your immune system like slightly overreacting, hmm. I guess, is how they categorize it. So you're all wondering, how do we get rid of it? How do we get rid of the eczema? Use gentle or sensitive skin moisturizers and do that throughout the day is what it says. Yeah. And I mean, I know that you are much more friendly with lotions than I am. I hate hates lotions. Lotion. It's so true. Lotion. I will slather up in anything. <laughs> I can't stand like how it's like an hour after you put it on, your skin is all still tacky. I can't, <laughs> I can't stand it. Of course, there are a lot of topical medications that you could get. You know, if, if you're struggling with this, of course, you need to see a healthcare provider. If it's significant enough, they actually can provide you with some medications or steroids. Like if mm -hmm. you're having a really bad flare, they can give you like a short term steroid yeah. to help. For some people that have it so significantly, they actually do prescribe immunosuppressant drugs, hmm. which I can understand because, I mean, if you're super, super itchy mm -hmm. and then you have all these cracks in your skin, it's, you know, it could end up being a much bigger situation. And then, of course, it says to avoid triggers. But like, 
like I mentioned, it can be very difficult to figure out what right, exactly to even figure are. out what that is. Yeah. Several of the articles I read also mentioned light therapy. I don't know a whole lot about light therapy, but it sounds like what they're saying with the light therapy is that it actually helps like, improve the, the blemishes. Like it'll help lessen the wow. blemishes. Okay. So I, yeah. I'm going to have to look a little bit more into that. I don't know a whole lot about light therapy, but if y'all do, let us know because I'm, I'm intrigued. Considering our podcast always has to do with littles. I wanted to focus in for a second on childhood eczema because it is like 20% of children have eczema. Mm -hmm. So the suggestion for that, I'm assuming you could use these tips for adults with eczema also, but it says to give them a short warm bath, not hot and not long. Hmm. Because the longer that you leave a kid in water, the more that actually dries out their skin as counterintuitive as that seems. But so you go for short and warm, not hot and not long. Use moisturizers several times a day on the full baby. Keep the room temperature as regular as possible because for a lot of these littles, a changes in room temperature really will trigger it. Dress your child in cotton. I stand by this. I'm an adult sitting here talking to you in all cotton everything. Cotton is king. It's the most breathable, most natural fiber on the planet. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't get any better than that. Use the cotton for all of it. But also, I just watched the episode of Seinfeld where George gets the New York Yankees to wear cotton uniforms. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Cotton is the best. Cotton is the best. It definitely has its place. Only use sensitive skin or unscented laundry detergent. I will add to that also dryer sheets. If you're a person that uses dryer sheets, get the unscented or the... There's a lot of different brands that make those. But scents can be very triggering. Yeah, like all the fragrances and stuff that they add in there, all the perfumes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it says, which I laughed at this... Mm Help your child avoid rubbing or scratching at their skin. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Good luck with yeah, that. That's, that's nearly impossible. I mean, what do you do? You keep their nails short. You put them in, in gloves. Like, what those do you mittens, do? Those <laughs> mittens. But as soon as they're old enough, they know how to pull those mm. off. So here's the thing, Miranda. You know how I get where I end up in rabbit holes. Ooh, what rabbit hole did you go down for X? On the internet. I ended up in a very, very interesting rabbit hole, and I actually sought it out because I remembered reading this article when it came out, and I want to touch on it briefly. Okay. But in 2016, Northwestern University Mm -hmm. published a study... In JAMA Pediatrics, which I know we've, that's a journal. And they actually were testing to determine the most cost-effective way to prevent eczema in high-risk newborns. So they tested a whole series of different moisturizers Mm -hmm. to figure out what was going to work best. Oh, I'm excited. Eczema impacts as many as 20% of children. I mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And costs the U.S. healthcare system. Of course, these are 2016 numbers. The U.S. healthcare system as much as $3.8 billion every year. Wild. 3.8 bill. Yeah. Bill for the eczema. Previous studies prior to this one by Northwestern showed that families caring for a child with the costly skin disorder, namely eczema, Mm -hmm. could spend as much as 35% of their discretionary income monthly to care for that child. Wow. And when these numbers came out, that averaged about $274 per month. So it could cost a family with a baby Mm -hmm. that has severe eczema up to $274 a month just to treat them. So this is a quote from Dr. Steve Zhu. He was involved in this study. It's not only terrible for the kids, but also for their families. Eczema can be 
devastating. Beyond the intractable itch, a higher risk of infections and sleep problems. Mm -hmm. A child with eczema means missed time from school, missed time from work for parents, and huge out-of-pocket expenses. So if we can prevent that with a cheap moisturizer, we should be doing it. For sure. I agree, Dr. Steve. Sounds good, Dr. Um, Steve. So listen, I'm going to make you guess. Early studies from Japan, the U.S., and the United Kingdom have suggested that full-body application of moisturizers for the first six to eight months of a baby's life, Uh beginning within the first few weeks, can reduce the risk of eczema developing greatly. Okay. So this is, they're saying daily application of a moisturizer from the time that they're very young uh-huh. until they get to be about seven or eight months old. Mm-hmm. The study took this one step further. This is Dr. Steve's study, took this one step further and examined the cost effectiveness of seven common over-the-counter moisturizer project, Ooh, products. Okay. What do you think proved to be the most beneficial okay so first i think the top contenders are gonna be avino that's a big Mm -hmm. one that's on the list there's another one that starts with an e is it userin 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 that actually wasn't on the list okay that one wasn't on the list okay and the other one i'm thinking of starts with a c it's like cert certa cetaphil those would be my guesses those three okay they tested seven common moisturizing products they included avino Mm -hmm. and cetaphil aquaphor was aquaphor yeah that's the other good one yeah but wait for it the most effective oh boy and preventing eczema, like we mentioned, with the daily application from the time they're very young. I'm on the edge of my seat. Petroleum jelly. <laughs> Vaseline. Vaseline. <laughs> wow. Wow. It w- it's also the cheapest. It was yeah. the cheapest one they tested. Oh, yeah, it is. And the most effective well sure it's like pure grease i mean you put that stuff on it's gonna take you a long time to dry it out because it just i mean but like you're also going to have a very slippery baby so be <laughs> careful like, it's like when, when do dwight put vaseline on the watermelon like it's <laughs> you're gonna drop that baby careful you're gonna you're oh gonna vaseline them up from head to toe and then you're gonna put a cotton pajama outfit on them immediately or else you'll drop them but yes i thought that that was very interesting so granted i like i said this study was in 2016 but still as dr steve said there's an important economic argument to be made here moisturizers are a very important intervention that dermatologists use to to treat eczema they play a big role in getting our patients better but insurers do not usually cover the cost of moisturizers so they're arguing for inclusion in health insurance coverage which is an interesting thought because right now your insurance isn't going to cover it true so in addition to preventing eczema dr steve cites emerging work that preserving the skin barrier so like i mentioned at the beginning if you have really bad eczema it affects how the barrier function of your skin right he said emerging work that preserving the skin barrier may also reduce the risk of other health problems including food allergies Well, that kind of goes back to what you said about things being able to get in your body. Like if the barrier is stronger and you can keep these harmful agents out of your body, then that's good. That's what we want. Interesting. All right. Well, so Vaseline for the win. I did find some other Hmm. forums that talked about how controversial Vaseline is because it's actually a petroleum product. Right, it sure is. We're going to just leave that. It is cost effective and... According to Dr. Steve, 
it, it gets the job done. Now, we were very fortunate because Fisher's eczema was never very severe. And like I said, it didn't last super long. It didn't seem to really bother him that much. But my poor sister had the worst case of eczema I've ever seen on a human. And she still to this day struggles with eczema flare-ups that are I think we've kind of deduced like largely allergy induced and stress induced. Um, But when she was a baby, just to give you a sense, because what jumped out at me was when you were talking about how much money parents or, or, you know, people will spend to try to treat this. So just like a day in the life was, and we used a vino pretty much exclusively because it seemed to work well. So it was a vino in the morning, a vino in the evening, a vino at supper time, you know, all day we're applying a vino. We even had every time she took a bath and we did what you were saying, where it's like a warm, short bath, Every day, we would have these little packets of oatmeal from Avino. They made these little things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They made the tub so nasty. And, you know, a lot of times I was the one helping out with her bath because she was, you know, the, the baby. And so here we go, sprinkling it in the tub, getting it all stirred up, getting her in there. And then we'd apply all of the lotion, apply all of the cream. And that poor girl would scratch herself bloody in her sleep so bad. It was terrible. It was terrible. And eventually, you know, when all of these rounds of trying to treat it topically didn't work, we we did have to use steroid intervention and we had to use a oral medication that she had to take. Um, And and that was every night, you know, but you think about all of that lotion, all of those oatmeal packets, all of this medication, that's expensive. And just to think, you know, we could have been by a Vaseline the whole time. <laughs> but I know, I know now, you know, she she's a big believer in Aquaphor. I think that's her her go to. But yeah. it's crazy how much it can impact you. Yes. Miranda, I did not look ahead, so I don't actually know what you're talking about today. Well, surprise, surprise, I'm just going to keep things rolling. Last week, we talked about the little bitty babies in the sensory motor stage. Remember that? I do. Yeah. I always remember the itty bitty babies. itty bitties. Yes. So I thought we would just keep on rolling. And this week, we'll take a look at the next stage of development, which is the pre-operational stage. And again, all of this is from our our old pal, Jean Piaget. Just to recap, the sensory motor stage is pretty much from birth to age two. The pre-operational stage, which is next, is age two to seven. So already we're, we're dealing with a, a longer period of time, but we're also dealing with so much more development. So like when you think about a kid between the ages of two and seven, what are some of the milestones? What are some of the things that, that happen or like come to mind during that time frame? Oh my goodness, between two and seven, like so much happens between two and seven. So hopefully potty training, mm-hmm. that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Most likely moving into like a big kid bed mm. where they're, you know, they're sleeping. They're not in a cage anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of independent stuff. Like they're like, they're eating more independently, like maybe even getting things for themselves. That's not even mentioning all the like learning and talking and, you know, all of that reading. That's a huge like a lot happens in that window. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's probably the the most deep. It's probably the deepest stage, you know, where there's just so much there. You mentioned potty training, becoming more independent, learning how to read. Um, Along with that is is math skills, talking, being able to improve their their communication skills. And one of our favorite things that we've both experienced recently is asking why all of the time. Oh, yeah, that definitely. I mean, that could start as early as like three. Yeah. Curious little minds. And that why stage, my son is six and a half. We're still not out of the why stage. Oh, no, mine's mine's nine. And still, we still need. I mean, honestly, I'm 42. And I've always been in the why. why. Yeah, that's just your move. (laughs) (laughs) I I gave up on wanting to know why all the a long time ago. I still need to know why. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of the markers here. 
One of the biggest markers during this phase is imaginative play, which is huge because what that really means is that children are understanding their world through symbols. So they begin to like assign meaning to things and, you know, they'll they'll be playing with things, but it doesn't necessarily have to be toys, but they're able to imagine and say, okay, well, this is this and this is that. Fisher would play with his little blocks and he had toy animals and he had toy race cars but he had to play with the blocks and pretend they were were race cars or that they were animals. Right. So they assign meaning to these things. A- another common one is playing house with like a daddy, a mommy, a baby. Um, and those could be with toys and dolls or they could be with like just random objects that they find. <laughs> you know, they could be walking around with sticks like, oh, here's the mommy stick and the daddy yeah, stick. Yeah, for sure. So they, they begin to assign meaning to these things. And that's that's really the key that the symbolism is attached to the object because that's kind of the clue that they're, again, they're orienting themselves to the world. They're making sense of the world around them. And this is kind of how it manifests is largely in in how they play. So symbolic or imaginative play. The other big marker here really is language development. And these two things go hand in hand so beautifully because as they begin to learn new words and new language skills, they can begin to incorporate that into their imaginative play. So think about like role-playing games that are really common at this age. Okay. So like you pretend you're the mommy, I'll pretend I'm the baby. And there's certain expectations that the mommy's going to act like this, the baby's going to act like this. Or if it's a teacher or a doctor or a policeman, you know, I think about the little doctor's kits that you can get for kids at this age. I had one of those. I love that. Isn't that so fun? And then I can remember my one of our favorite things to do was like make a wedding where like we had like this whole thing of like dress up clothes or whatever Uh where like somebody would dress up as as the bride and somebody would dress up as the groom. (laughs) I've actually married a lot of people. Like I I'm pretty sure I married my cousin Lisa. (laughs) Shout out to Lisa. I also married my first friend Kevin. I was real big into the, you know, in like my mom's old nightgown that was wow with like weird hats. Cause there was a whole bin. Oh, that's so cute. those were the things that uh, oh my that goodness we did. I can't say I ever played wedding, but I definitely played in the woods. <laughs> okay, sure well, I mean, too. I played in yeah. the woods too. Like you know, you get married in the morning, and then you go out in the then woods. You go off to the woods and build a that's fort, and that's your house. That's what it's is basically marriage. You know, that's marriage <laughs> out there in the elements, fending for yourself. You get in a fight over whether to use the sticks or the mud. That's right. And putting the moss down like a little cushion. Oh, gosh, that's hilarious. So, yeah, role playing and assigning these different rules. The other part with language is, you know, you think about a two-year-old, they typically can say like a one or two word sentence, like a one word sentence. No. (laughs) Right. I was just going to say the only one I ever remember is no. Also mine (laughs) when they're two. But by the time they're seven, they can often tell a story with a beginning, a middle and an end. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? If it has an end, if you're lucky. (laughs) If Jonah is your child, he's still telling you the story right now. You haven't heard even there yet. So the way that children can use language and symbols is such a huge part of cognitive development in the pre-operational stage. So language and imaginative play. Okay. So (laughs) just like the sensory motor stage, the pre-operational stage has sub-stages. So let's look at each of those. It doesn't have as many. Sensory motor had like way too many. This one only has two. Oh, good. Because that that first and second and third circle of hell got really confusing. (laughs) It was rough. All right. So the first part is symbolic function. And this is age two to four. And with this substage, children begin to develop mental representations of objects in the world around them. So this includes things that are not currently there because at this point, you know, of course, they've mastered object permanence. So they know that things exist 
exist, even if they're not in front of them, they can think about a horse, even if they don't see a horse. Right. Right. That makes sense. Perception play is really important here. And uh, they're able to start solving problems and maybe even solving problems with multiple steps. So one of the things that came to my mind there is like, if there was something I didn't want Fisher to have, I would put it up high. But eventually he learned that if he took the stool from the bathroom where he yep. could brush his teeth and carry it to wherever I had put what he wanted, which was usually his iPad, <laughs> he could get it down right. himself. So they start solving these problems. Uh, another marker of this stage, again, ages two to four, is parallel play, which is when kids kind of play side by side, but they're not playing cooperatively together yet. Gotcha. So that's the first substage. The second one is called intuitive thought. So this kicks in a little bit later, ages four to seven. And you'll like this stage because this is where children begin to rely on logic more than just perception alone. And I can attest this is 1000% where Fisher lives right now. Everything has to make logical sense to him. And he'll take one thing that he learns over here and he'll apply it to something that's similar over here to see if it still works, if that makes sense. Right. He's he's finding something that works and then he's trying it everywhere. Right. Because the logic would be if it worked here, it should also work here. <laughs> okay. So also at this point, when kids play, as I mentioned, they assign roles and rules for each other. And then they cooperate mm-hmm. together and they all, you know, should be learning to pretty much abide by those rules and, and roles. So like you know, when you guys would play the wedding and this person's the groom and this person's the bride, there's an expectation of who's going to be doing what. You know, the groom doesn't get to walk down the aisle. The bride gets to walk down the aisle or whatever it is. Correct. But I I mentioned my cousin Lisa and nobody ever followed the rules and we just ended up fighting Mm. from Mm. pretty much this whole stage (laughs) of life. All the way up until whatever 42 is. Like, (laughs) we're we're still arguing. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So there are these three little tests that you can do with your kid in the pre-operational stage. And they can kind of be markers or indicators for you to use to see where they're at. So these are tried and true experiments that have been done over and over and over again. The three tests are centration egocentrism and conservation. So let's dig into each one of those a little bit. So the first one is centration. And this is a child can focus on one property of something, but not multiple properties simultaneously. So the experiment is to get some paper clips and you can lay them out in a line. So if you have five paper clips in one line and then seven paper clips in the other line, but spread the paper clips out in the top line with five and make it look like it's longer than the one with seven. And if you ask them which line has more paper clips in it, they're going to point to the top line that only has five paper clips because they're spread out more. Gotcha. Because it looks longer. Right. So they're focusing on one property and not multiple properties at the same time. That makes sense. Okay. The next one's really interesting. And this is egocentrism. And this is like a primary marker of this stage. Kids tend in this stage to not be able to imagine another person's perspective of something. Here, what it means is if I'm looking at a piece of paper from this direction and you're sitting across the table from me, I can't imagine what that picture looks like to you because it's upside down to me. So I would just imagine that you would see the same thing that I do, regardless of where you're sitting. Okay. So you think that everybody sees the same thing. Right. No matter where they're oriented. So 
there's a couple of, of different ways to do this. There's what's called the mountain task, where you basically have, and ex- researchers have done this with like a little tray table that has these little Play-Doh mountains on them. And like, there's a really big one and a really small one. And two people sit across the table and they say, you know, which mountain is in front, you know, and the kid will point. And then it's like, okay, well, imagine you're sitting where Susie is sitting, which mountain is in front for Susie? And they'll point to the same one that's in front for them and not the one that's okay. in front. So for there's Susie. no like understanding of perspective, like of different perspectives. Right. They only see theirs. Right. And that one's, I think, really, really interesting. There's another task that kind of goes along with this called the hidden doll task or experiment where you can basically have two dolls and you ask the child to hide a doll from the other doll and okay and they can't imagine you know a lot of kids can't imagine what this doll would be seeing if this other doll was hiding if that makes sense so it's it's really just a a way to explain that kids again at this age like you said they struggle with perspective taking it's really hard for them outside of their own ego and what they see in front of them to think somebody else has something different and this is so true and I, i said it on a previous podcast like when i was a little kid i distinctly remember thinking nobody existed in the world before i was born like it took a while for that light bulb to go off like oh these people have been around a while like there was a point in time where like my parents were kids it took me a long time to understand that well i mean as as silly as that sounds that people would think that it's like it's so much work for them to go from being itty bitty babies to like getting their bodies like functioning and like right. they're in charge that it's like it is a pretty big leap to then understand the framework of this world that we live in right it's taken so much to work to be able to figure out how to crawl and walk and talk and all of those things like their whole lives have only been behind their eyes. So it is a whole other step to try to be able to see other perspectives. Right, right. And that's where uh, helping kids learn to practice empathy can be so important in thinking about perspectives and really trying to encourage that and get that out in front of them uh, and kind of give them some exposure. And, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Okay, so the third task, I told you there are three. The third task is conservation. And I mentioned this one on a previous podcast too. This is the experiment that you can do where you have a glass of water and then you have a tall, skinny glass, and then you have a short, fat glass. You can pour the same amount of water in each glass and ask the child which glass has more. They're going to point to the, the tall, skinny glass because it's higher. Higher, yeah. Okay. Even if they see that it's the same volume that you're pouring in. I remember, this is so silly, but when Fisher was little, you know, we would give him graham crackers. That was like a common snack for him. And, you know, if he only had one cracker left, he'd be like, I want two crackers. And I'd literally take the cracker and break it in half. And he'd be like, and he'd be like, chill as can be. He'd be like, cool, I got two. <laughs> Like, just like that. That's pretty funny. So they... It's that simple. It's that simple. There's one or there's two. That's right. Like, the level is higher. (laughs) The level... If the level is lower, that's less. Right. Right. Exactly. And this is where Play-Doh can really be helpful, too. You can have, like, uh, two little cups of Play-Doh that they have, and one cup you could put into a ball, and the other one you could kind of smush flat and say, which pile has more Play-Doh? And they'll point to the ball, even though they just saw it come out of the cup and they saw it's the same amount. They know it's the same amount, but they don't. But they don't. they're not there. (laughs) It's so interesting. So I do want to mention that these experiments have been criticized because some researchers have said that if kids are given more instruction, they can successfully complete these things before age seven, especially the egocentric ones. Some uh, kids can complete the perspective-taking tasks as early as age four if they're given more 
instructions and more more support. information. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And I mentioned the the book a while back called Unselfie and mm-hmm. it's really interesting because the author she writes that there's a lot of research and she talks about evidence-based activities that can help younger children with perspective taken. And so, you know, there's definitely been plenty of, of research done in this space to kind of disprove some of these things that Jean Piaget had outlined. So just goes back to working with your kid, right? And getting them exposed yep. to it. So again, our we have plastic brains and we can be molded and learn a lot. So let's talk about some educational strategies that we can use for children in this stage. Kids do really well with hands-on activities and materials. Again, that goes back to the conservation tasks that we mentioned. So doing things like playing with the Play-Doh and and things like this. Pretend play and problem solving. And I think another really important part of the pretend play, especially with role-playing, is that perspective-taking and practicing empathy and things like that too. You can utilize visual aids like pictures and charts. That helps with centration. So where we were talking about lining up the paper clips, so helping kids understand right. numbers and counting. Breaking tasks into smaller steps can be really helpful. And the last one is fostering language development through conversations and storytelling. And I remember one of the big things that Fisher worked on when he was in 3K and 4K that they wanted him to be able to do was be able to identify the beginning, middle, and end of a little story. And he would have these little cards and he'd have to put them in order for like what happened and kind of match them up. So it It had to be going kind of hand in hand with this stage too. All right. So let's wrap up with some milestones. Last week, uh, I kind of talked about some milestones and markers for like where your kids should be and what are we looking for for them to kind of graduate from one stage to the next. So let's go through that really quick for the pre-operational stage here. For ages two to three, you really should see your kid begin to engage and pretend play. And again, that could be even playing with sticks, playing with sugar packets at the restaurant and like having things (laughs) talk to each other or be different things. We should start to see some of that imagination coming out you know, around age three for sure. Kids should also be able to follow simple directions like two to three step directions at this point. And they should be able to sort objects into different categories. So whether it's by color or by size, Ages three to four, this is when kids are developing more refined schemas and they can get a whole lot better at sorting objects. And one thing that's interesting with ages three to four is they begin to understand past versus present. And what I think is really funny about that is it's like they understand the past, but they have no, it's like they don't have a way to gauge how long ago something was. Right. They know it already happened, but they have no idea. They don't know if it was a day ago. They don't know if it was two weeks ago. I know some adults that are like this, but yeah, like kids will say, remember yesterday when we did blah, blah, blah. And you're like, that was months ago when we (laughs) did that at this stage. Kids also at this stage have a longer attention span. Thank goodness. And again, ages three to four, you named it, Melanie. This is when they really start to ask those why questions and they want to get their questions answered by their parent. So ages four to five, this is when kids' cognitive skills are more refined. They uh, can begin to learn to read. They can learn letter identification. They can learn number identification and counting, maybe even a little bit of math at age four to five too, which is really awesome. And then six to seven. So the last step here is that kids develop a better understanding of time. So now they know the difference between yesterday and you know, a year ago or whatever. Okay. So they, they figure it out in this stage. Between ages six to seven. And I think Fisher's kind of getting there. You know, he'll he'll say a long time ago, and that pretty much means anything between yesterday and when he was a baby. So, you know, at least he can okay. make that differentiation, right? <laughs> and when they graduate to the concrete operational stage, they begin to understand 
conservation. So where we talked about, and, and it would be interesting to do that experiment with Jonah and Fisher, you know, since Fisher's very much in this phase and Jonah's in the next one, it'd be interesting to see, cause I'm sure Jonah, like he would see right through that. He'd be like, oh yeah, da, 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 da. Like he yeah. would know. And they can also engage in more perspective taking. So again, whether that's a literal, I understand this is on this is what this looks like to you, but also this might be how you feel. So like for Fisher, he's been learning left and right, but he still kind of gets confused when it's his right or my right, if we're looking opposite oh, ways. I mean, Fisher, I am with you still. <laughs> like he'll be like, mom, which way is right? And I'll point to his right and he'll say, wait, is that your right or my right? And I'm like, that's your right. That's my left. And he's like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I get it, man. I'm around. still there. Like my husband won't even like if we're in the car together and I'm telling him where to go, he tells me to point because <laughs> the wrong word always comes out of my mouth. I'm sure that's a diagnosis of some sort. <laughs> we're all turned around. I'm not great at it either. Oh, man. So as I mentioned in last week's episode, you know, again, if you have concerns about your child's development or where they are with these milestones, it can be a good idea to talk with their teacher or even your pediatrician to kind of get some more insight to just check in and, and make sure your kid is, is where they need to be. And uh, if they do need any help or accommodations or assistance, always best to intervene as early as possible. And that's a wrap, girl. That's that's the pre-operational stage. Look at that. Two, two down. That's a busy stage. It's a good one. I think it's, you yeah. know, especially the towards the end of it, I think is kind of my favorite, my favorite part of it. But, you know, For sure. one of the things that I thought about as I was talking was, you remember the coloring book of magic that I had for Jonah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved the coloring book of magic. So this is one of those books that you can kind of flip the pages really quick and the the pages will turn either from plain white or white with black lines or like colored in like somebody's colored the coloring book. And Jonah always wanted to see this when he was in this phase, the, the pre-operational stage. And I guarantee you, if I showed it to him today, he would be like, yeah, no, that's just, that's, this is how it works. Like he would be able to logically explain it. I would be willing to bet if I even asked him about it, he would get mad because he would feel like he was like duped. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Will you please ask him? I want to know what he says. I, I want to know what he I says. Will. Be like, do you remember Miss Aranda's coloring book of magic? He'll be like, yeah, that damn book. She was always <laughs> tricking me with that damn book. <laughs> oh my gosh then he'll like stamp out his cigarette and march off i mean honestly it, it feels about like he, he's a grown he's adult a grown he's got man. Plans. goodness i love it i'm excited to hear what spotlight you've cooked up for us tonight our spotlight for this episode is the national eczema association their vision is a world without eczema. And I'm sure that the 31 million Americans with eczema would appreciate it if they reached that vision. Uh -huh. The National Eczema Association is the driving force for an eczema community fueled by knowledge, strengthened through collective action, and propelled by the promise of a better future. I spent a good bit of time on their website. They have all kinds of stuff on there, like including reviews of products and oh. like how how eczema friendly they are and whatnot. Is Vaseline at the top of the list? <laughs> I didn't check that. I should have. Probably not. You know, there's probably kickbacks involved. I, I won't <laughs> conspiracy theorize everything, but the website is nationaleczema.org. So check that out. There's all kinds of information on there. And like I said, 31 million Americans struggle with this. So it's a very common issue. Thanks for sharing. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, 
You can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com.